Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, from Connecticut, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 12, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 11, A Vision for You on pages 157 and 158. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, starting with the seventh paragraph at the bottom of page 157, which begins with, The Two Friends Spoke of There. Through the next paragraph, which ends at the top of page 158, with, Be Boiled as an Owl. Today's readers are Terry N., Robin S., Leslie W., Naomi B., and Larry K. Our newcomer greeter is Dorita P. The reference number for yesterday's Wednesday, October 11, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 10535. That's 10.535. And the reference number for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10537. That's 10.537. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry N. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Terry N., compulsive reader in New Jersey. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for this opportunity for service. Thank you, Terry Ann. I will now ask Robin S. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. I am Robin S. from Connecticut, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this opportunity this morning to be of service. Thank you, Robin S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. 
then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 11, A Vision for You, on page 157 and 158. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, starting with the seventh paragraph at the bottom of page 157, which begins with, The Two Friends Spoke of There. Through the next paragraph, which ends at the top of page 158, with, Be Boiled as an Owl. I will now ask Leslie W. to go ahead with the reading. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Leslie W. Um, from Tennessee, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you for allowing me to give service. The two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried out. He interrupted, I used to be strong for the church, but that won't fix it. I've prayed to God on hangover mornings and sworn that I'd never touch another job, but by nine o'clock, I'd be boiled as an owl. Um, Setting my timer here. Um, Yes, uh, I can remember when I walked into my first Everleaders Anonymous meeting and I, I heard them say that it, it was a spiritual program <clears throat> and uh, not a religious one. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I think it's important to see that he interrupted them as soon as they talked about spirituality. You know, I really confused religion with spirituality when I first came in to this program. Um, I didn't really understand um, the difference. Um, you know, I I was a churchgoer just like this guy was. Um, and I was strong for the church, you know. Um, uh, I would get up and, you know, sing in the choir and um do all those things that you could look at me and think, oh, she, she, she must be, you know, um, she, she must be a good, good person, um, a good religious person. Um, but the thing is, was that after I got through singing in the choir, I would come home and stuff my face and binge on whatever I could get my hands on because I just could not deal with life. I had a living problem, you know, just like Leah says. And, and this boiled as an owl comment, you know, I guess all I can think of is a boiled egg when I read that, but hey, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, the thing about that is I, I too would get up in the morning and pray, um, God, please don't, please don't let me do this. Please don't let me eat like this. Please don't let me eat X, Y, and Z today. Please help me to stay away from this. Please make me sin. Please do this. Please do that. No wonder. (laughs) No wonder that it didn't work. Because I didn't have I didn't have a real connection to God. I I I didn't have anything. (laughs) And 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 the thing is. I'm really glad. I never thought in a million years that I would say that I'm glad that I was afflicted with this disease. But today I can truly say that I am because it it allowed me to see that um, how much I need my higher power. 
in my life. I can't fix my, my problems. I can't do it because, because no matter how hard I tried, I'd end up boiled as an owl. And that's just the truth. So today, I thank you for allowing me to give service. And today, I'm so thankful that I have found this program and that I don't confuse religion with spirituality today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Shannon C. Shannon C. Penny C. Larry. Okay, so far, I think I heard Shannon C., Larry K., I think I heard Penny C., um, and Melissa, I think I heard. Yes, Melissa B. And Harlan G. Okay, who did I miss? I have Shannon C., I think, Larry K., Penny C., Melissa, I didn't catch your initial, Lisa B., and Harlan G. Jackie B.? Jackie B. Reva P. Reva P. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go with the eight of you for now. Shannon C., did I hear your name? Shannon F, as in fun or flag, whatever you want to call it. Okay, Shannon F, thank you. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. You're doing awesome. So um, this paragraph always brings the instance to mind when I chat with newcomers, and they usually say, well, like, I grew up going to church, and, like, you know, I'm the minister's daughter, and... Or, you know, I I did, for me, I always have to relate it to my experience because as soon as I say it's not the same or try and make um, direct statements like that, um, I feel like I notice that maybe it can tune out. Um, But I relate it to my personal experience because we can all, like, relate to personal experiences. And it's very important for that newcomer to see that it is different. Um, So I usually say, like, yeah, I grew up you know, going to Catholic church. I did the Catholic aerobics of sit and you'll stand and sit and you'll stand for, you know, almost two decades. Um, and I still never got recovered. But what I see that what OA has to offer, um, first and foremost, is that we are a group of compulsive overeaters. We all get it. And there is something very fundamental and deep about that, that the the religious world didn't have for me um and it, it when i was also in you know i guess um the religious background we didn't go through the steps where i took specific inventory and tell it to somebody else related to the specific topic of food so that is what i found covered the gaps and allowed me to rest my illness. And there's many, many, many more differences. But I, um, for me, what I needed to do is incorporate um, both my outside religious practices and incorporate this program together. And it was great synergy. So um, I, I, for some reason, just the word newcomer came up as to how we can relate our experience with this paragraph on how this is not a religion. It's not like going to church necessarily. It's it's a spiritual program and it's much, much more open and broad. 
Um, and I feel it, it, it incorporates a more freedom and space to move around in with the concept of God and recovery and spirituality. So with that, I'm going to stop having word vomit and um, let a ride. So I pass. Thanks, Shannon F. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Can you hear me okay? Yes, good morning, Larry okay, K. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Um, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, it talks about um, this course of action. And I was, uh, when, when I came into the rooms, um, I didn't understand what course of action they were talking about. I certainly saw the 12 steps they were posted, um, you know, on a, on a board on the wall. So I, I, and I, and I read through these steps, I quickly memorized them and, uh, and I could recite them and I, and I did see the word God in those steps. So I, I, I knew that there was something a little bit different about this, but the thing was I had such disdain for theology for specific religious practices because I saw historically that in my mind they created a lot of um, a lot of problems for people's for people and I can remember a friend of mine um, had the same came into the rooms and, and later left and he had the same disdain for what he interpreted see sometimes in from our perceptive lens like myself like my friend you know we read into something pretty quickly like uh, like this gentleman and what we're reading about this morning did. And now that's not for me. And my friend, you know, I stuck around, my friend left he, he, and he, we would talk and he would say, look, I, I just can't, you know, the God stuff. He was raised in a home where it was drilled into him and, you know, and it, it and it was just, it was overwhelming and he could see the hypocrisy in those that are, were drilling in these religious concepts because they didn't treat him very well. And, and so he said, it's just not for me. I'm going to find another way. You know, thank God I didn't do that. I know my friend, he, he just, he, he did, and he sought another way. And my friend is just a beautiful, beautiful guy. Everyone liked him. I say liked in past tense because he's dead. The disease killed him. And he's never coming back. And that's pretty sad. And we would talk, and, uh, and the disease, it make no men, you know, Make no bones about it. It was on his death certificate. It, it didn't talk about his alcoholic mind. I can assure you, it won't be on your death certificate either. But I, I'm thankful that I, I sought out this course of action that was spiritual in nature. It was never theological or religious. It could be that for you, but it wasn't for me. It was being. It was about through some steps being brought into alignment with the power of my own understanding, and that was a big difference program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Penny C. Good morning, Rebecca, and thank you, and thank you, everybody on the line. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Yeah, I grew up as a as a fat kid. I mean, just it was it was not an easy easy existence. But what I decided to do is laugh at myself before anyone else could laugh at me. So when I was quite young, I wrote a poem that started with, Now I sit me in my chair and pray my weight will disappear. And the truth of it is that I really never did pray for my myself. 
to lose weight. I didn't think God had any any concern about the fact that, you know, I was living with with this feeling of being less than and and feeling humiliated so much of the time and that I had to laugh at myself before other people laughed at me and they did. They did laugh at me. So then I came to to OA and I realized um that there was a power greater than myself that I was powerless over that food. I used to wake up as a as a mother and wife. I'd wake up every morning and I'd swear just like this man, you know, I swore that I wouldn't touch a bite of food that day. I would have a starvation day just about every day for so many years. And I'd make it till 11. This man only made it till 9. I'd make it to 11 o'clock. So reading the steps when I first came in and hearing them and say, hearing that there was a, that I was powerless, that no matter how much, what I did, um, that I on my own was not going to be able to recover from what I didn't know was a disease. I thought it was, you know, I had no willpower. All the things that people told me that I was just lazy if I'd only get up and, you know, get off my my butt and, and do some exercise and, and I'd be all right. So that's this paragraph reminds me of the first two steps. I must remember, I had to know that I was powerless and that step two, there is a power greater than myself. So today I do pray for my abstinence, thanking God for my abstinence, knowing that it's not, it doesn't really have much to do with me that I've been abstinent for so many decades. It's all because of a higher power who, you know, thinks I'm just awesome and, and is there to help me and guide me along with the people he puts in my life, like all of you on the line this morning and all all the people in my face-to-face meetings that encourage me. But it's all about asking God to help me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Penny C. Melissa C., I believe it is, isn't it? Hi, good morning. Yes, it's Melissa C. Thank you. Um, thank you for your service. Um, and that's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, you know, so I've heard it on, on this line before, that prayer without action is begging. And um, so it, in reality, I was never really praying. I was always begging. I I came to God um, with a list of demands. And one of which was get me thin, you know, like get me thin. Um, And, you know, there was no um, thought of how I was going to be useful or of value or of service to anybody else in this beg, in this like demand to be thin. It was all for me. It was let me be thin, get me thin so I can feel good, so I can feel superior so I can be happy, um, so I can look a certain way. And, um, yeah, that never works, you know. Um, And uh, just like here by 9 o'clock, you know, boiled as an owl. So for me, um, you know, I would lay in bed in the morning, like, 
so upset with myself because I'd wake up with remorse, regret, a stomach ache, heartburn, um, sweating, and I would be like praying, God, please just, you know, get me thin or, or help me. I just want to stop. And I would come downstairs and, you know, start pouring sweet, creamy stuff in my coffee. And, you know, and then on the way to work, I was already going through the drive-thru. So there was no, you know, I did not have a relationship with God. I, um, I called on this thing that I had no knowledge of and no relationship with to get me out of a jam um, <laughs> without me doing anything. Like, I didn't want to take partnership. And, um, you know, and so what's different now is, um, you know, my prayers changed. It's, it, it stopped being, God, make me thin. It was, God, make me useful. And, and I followed the steps and found out and continue to find out that um, I have great usefulness and the ability to be of service when I live in freedom from the food, when I'm connected with people and not food. Um, and that when I, when I do that, um, I can invite a spiritual connection into my life and live happy and free. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Uh, I just want to remind or tell people who may have gotten on the line late that we read the last two paragraphs on 157, the two friends spoke. And Lisa B., you are next. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I really want to share on this. This is uh, such a powerful reading for me. He says the two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told them about the course of action they carried and how alcoholic uh, or AA number three immediately interrupted. And so what comes to my mind, my identification with this reading is um, one of the things I used uh, to try and cope with my compulsive overeating illness is spirituality. Um, ever since I was little, I always felt that hole inside of me. I could literally feel the and hear the wind blowing through it, and I gravitated towards spirituality. Um, sometimes with the treetops when I was little, I, I would just think about, you know, some power that's greater than myself um, that could maybe help me. I didn't grow up in a real religious background, but I just gravitated towards an energy that could help me and comfort me. So when I came into the rooms and saw the 12 steps, you know, I was kind of like that, AA number three. Um, well, you know, this never worked for me. And so what I know today is that in, like, step 11, there's a really key word that's used, conscious, conscious. I have to get out of my head. I've got to experience these steps in my heart and in my gut and let them take root and grow inside of me, not be in my head of thinking of what I already know and, you know, well, what's uncomfortable for me. And one of the most powerful things that my sponsor ever shared with me on a 10th step that I was giving to her just not too long ago was, um, have you tried stop asking God for these things, these things, and these experiences that you want, and just be, just be with your higher power. And that really transformed me. But, you know, that's what started for me when I began working with my sponsor in getting out of my head and doing this course of action, taking the action. It's like one of our co-fellows says, willingness is overrated. 
action. I had to take the action. And then these things begin to transform and take place inside of me. The other thing that was really powerful for me in uh, how it works is to learn that um, all of my problems are of my own making, that they arise out of myself. I never heard that. I needed to see that, and that I am an extreme example of self-will run riot. But the key word for me, conscious, every day, maintain, getting that conscious contact with my higher power, maintaining it through the day, but not only with the 11th step, but all of the steps. Really being consciously aware of all of the steps and living them, experiencing them in my gut. Starting by getting entirely abstinent and doing this work, this course of action, like my life depends on it, and it does. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Lisa B. Harlan G. Good morning, Rebecca, uh, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I came into my first meeting on February the 2nd, 1979, and the steps were on the wall, and the people were talking about God, I vomited in my mouth. I did not want another experience like I had had as a child as never being good enough for God, never being religious enough, never being obedient enough. And because I kept getting this signal that I was not doing enough, not good enough, not acceptable enough, my brain just went tilt. And I said, well, screw this God stuff. I'm just going to die in the food. I'm just going to die and that's it. And I waited for somebody or God, I waited for somebody to either put me out of my misery or do this for me or invent a pill. The pill has never been invented. The person has never been able to do the work for me. And what I never was given to as a child or even now I have to force myself is doing the work. And I've said this to many, many people over the years in OA. If a pill was invented that could give you instant recovery, I would throw it in the toilet and not give it to you because I wouldn't cheat you out of the journey. So the two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him of the course of action they carried out. This action, if you're new, whether you're struggling or not, this action has been the greatest adventure of my lifetime. The places that I've gone, the people that I've met, the love that I've both been given and have been able to give back have been the most unbelievable part of my lifetime. There has never been anything as horrific as being a fat kid. I was 335 pounds in high school. By the time I was in college, I was five, 600 pounds. By the time I was out of college, I was 700 pounds. I had a size 80-inch waist, and I had a seven-extra-large shirt that wouldn't button because it was too small. I'm not going to say that it was worth it. I'm not going to say that I would do it again. But God took my garbage and made it into something very beautiful. He made it into a life worth living. And as Melissa C. just said, I used to beg God for things. Now I beg for usefulness. And I have seen over the years, I have seen rabbis and priests, nuns and ministers come in and out of OA. 
because there is a striking difference between religion and spirituality. Whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, or a true believer, with a God or a power greater than myself that I'm willing to believe in, nothing says I have to believe. All it says in step two is, am I now will, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And with that, I can make my beginning. And I can start to take action after action, like it says here, that I do not yet even believe in. Willingness is highly overrated. Don't wait for understanding. Don't wait for willingness. Start taking the actions you see people taking around you that have what you want. And by and by, after taking action, the willingness comes. It's not the other way around. This is the most magnificent way of life imaginable. With life's ups and life's downs, I do not have to eat compulsively, and I can refrain from eating compulsively happily. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Jackie B. Hi, this is Jackie B. Can I be heard? Yes, good morning, Jackie B. Good morning. Uh, This is Jackie B. from the Bronx, recovered compulsive overeater one day at a time. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for your service and for your shares. Um, It really felt I I could identify with every single person, and I am so, so grateful to this um, fellowship. Today is exactly uh, 14 months of uh, new uh, abstinence. Uh, from the, uh, what do you call it, from any type of ingredient that will trigger the craving and the obsession of the mind. What comes to me is these words, uh, gratitude, willingness, integrity, sincerity. Uh, Today my program has all those facets. Today, um, you know, I see how if I give my experience, strength, and hope. I don't have to be a rocket scientist. I don't have to have, you know, 10 million degrees. I don't have to have uh, the best home life, the best bank account, the best anything. All I have to have is Jackie B. from the Bronx to tell you that this program works if you're willing to grasp it, willing to read these pages, and then go through the steps. Go through all these things and then give it back. Give it back to another person. Be honest. You know, um, somebody called me yesterday about sponsorship. They're scared about being a sponsor. We're all scared. I'm always scared about being a sponsor because what if I screw up? You know, I can't screw up if I give you what I have. And what I have is a person who came from a multi um, interracial, interface family who today has a God of my understanding that takes care of me, that protects me, that tells me that I don't have to carry this burden alone, that um, just be honest. Honesty keeps me abstinent. Honesty keeps me frank. Honesty gives me gratitude, willingness, and integrity and sincerity. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie B. Reva P. 
Hi, good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, if food was my problem, diets would work for me. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Bill and Bob have created this crisis where they convince um, book number three that he's doomed um, and he's not going to be able to... Um, willfully manage his alcoholism. And then this first paragraph we read is the paragraph of hope because I don't have a food problem. Food is the solution. I have a spiritual problem. So they're telling him about their spiritual experience and the course of action. That's the solution. It's so the opposite. I kept trying to manage the food thinking that was the problem, but it was the brokenness, it was the spiritual emptiness, the whole that never could be filled with anything, any food, any accomplishment. It was always there, um, and I was always trying to fill it with external things that never did the job. Um, so what they're really telling him is the three basics that we have on page 60, that I am a real compulsive overeater. Um, I can't manage my life. I can't rely on myself or any other doctor, um, book, human power, and that I need a power that's bigger than me. Um, and I love the fact that they talked about spiritual experience. They didn't talk about their spiritual knowledge because I can know a lot of stuff. I can read a lot of books. I know people who know the big book backwards and forwards, but they're not recovered because it's all about the experience. And how do I get experience? I get experience by taking action. I really did think that I had to sit in a room and pray hard for hours and hours to get really spiritual and connected to God. And it really did not work um, because the only way I can access a power is by getting rid of all the gook that I've accumulated over years and years of faulty thinking and uh, all these lies that I tell myself. And the only way to do that is the simple course of action, do the steps, get rid of the blocks. Then by step 11, I'm accessing a power. It's just about power. I don't have to call it God. Um, it's just power because I don't have the power. I tried and it didn't work. Um, and I'm so grateful. Short little paragraph, but tons of hope. With that, I pass. Thanks, Reva P. Uh, I just want to tell anyone who got on late that we are on page one. Let's see. Wait a minute. One fifty-seven at the bottom. The two friends spoke for two paragraphs. And I could take probably five more people to share. Who would like to share? Adam. Welcome. Barbara E. I think you heard Janice M. I'm sorry. I know Paula there were many D. of you, but Paula D. I know you probably weren't one of the first. Barbara E. Tavani A. And Barbara E. Judith Okay, so um, why don't I take... I think I heard a Judith. I don't know if we'll get to you, Judith. We'll see. If everybody takes their three minutes, we won't have time. So Matt M., Janice M., Paula D., Anita J., Barbara E., and Judith, and I'm sorry if you went before any of those people and I just didn't get your name written down. It's just it is what it is. 
So, Matt, um, go right ahead. Here I am. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater from New Jersey. I'm just grateful that this meeting is here today. I'm grateful we're talking about the journey of these two gentlemen with this gentleman, Bill Dobson. They're talking about their experience, and he was talking about, like, you know, about praying to God and not getting any results, really. And I really never got any results praying to a God of understanding. I went to church my whole life, my whole young adult life, and uh, I never really had a connection to God of my of, of the what the understanding that I grew up with. And uh, I still have trouble connecting to a higher power of my understanding because I'm I'm more of agnostically inclined. I just don't know what my higher power is. I know I, I think I know I have one. I just have a hard time connecting to it because I let the food get in the way. And uh, I understand now what it's like to be drunk and have a belly full of food and a head full of programs. It sucks. It really does. It really does because I know there's a no different solution to, the, to this problem. And I just someone said, I don't have a food problem. I have a spiritual problem. I have a problem with not living life in life's terms. That's the reason I went to the food. So I didn't want to feel any emotions. I wanted to just bottle it up inside of me just by stuffing myself full of food like a piñata. And, um, you know, eventually I, I got hit enough times with a stick that I just burst open. The damn, the damn burst. And uh, inside all this ugly stuff just came out. And uh, not, it's not an easy thing to deal with, not an easy thing to face either. And uh, I'm grateful that I have a sponsor who's willing to work with me. I'm committing my food again to him. And I'm going to work the steps with him once I get myself to a clean time under my belt. And I'm taking it one meal at a time, one day at a time. And, uh, I built up that I could put the food down. It just takes time. It just takes time and energy for me to get this. And I know that I'm, as long as I don't give up, as long as I keep showing up, going to the meeting, calling my sponsor every day, making outreach calls, that uh, I will make it as long as I keep my head above water and uh, realize the food is not the answer. And thanks for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thanks, Madam. Janice M., did I hear you? You did. You did, Rebecca F. Uh, this is Janice M. And I apologize. See, you see, I'm still self-centered. I still had to say my name twice. And this is what I, what I get from this reading. The course of action. I had my own courses of action because I was so self-sufficient. I was so self-centered. I was going to my interpretation of what I should do. You know, there was a God in my life. So when I came into the program, at the second, I'm powerless. Okay, I could admit it, but of course I didn't accept it. Um, and then, of course, oh, I didn't even um, do my name. All right. Um, the willingness to believe. I said, oh, I got this made because I believe in God. I, you know, but my courses of action were everything that I wanted to do that I thought because I was so self-centered. See, I didn't know that I can pause and ask, you know, what God wanted me to do just when we, you know, gave my name. I had to do it twice. I did not pause and say, okay, God, if it's thy will, no, it had to be up to me. So the courses of action that I used to do is, you know, I would send my higher power on errands. If you do this, then I'll do that. uh, what else I would do is light candles. If I light this candle, this is my course of action. That's what I did. Course of action. Do the candles, and then God will give you what you want. And I even taught religious school. Big deal. So as one of our members says, I always did what I didn't want to do, and I didn't do what I want, what I should have done. You know, I paraphrased it. 
because the real problem is me. I thought, see, he was all alone. He didn't, he didn't depend on anybody else. Bill Dobson just depended on himself, you see. And nobody taught me that, you know, you really have to depend and rely on a higher power than you, Janice. And uh, that's what it was. And whereas I'm working today, trying one day at a time to be less self-centered and be more God-centered, that's the message. I was always a hearer, a listener of the steps and not a doer of the words. And the doer of the word is so different. That's doing it like, we've, like it's always been said. Not just staying here and listening and hearing what other people do. Or, yeah, do it. Be a doer of the words of these 12 steps. Of course, their course of action with Bill and Bob and, and, and Bill again was the, the six tenets. And then because they weren't written yet. And uh, that's the message that the two friends brought to uh, Bill Dobson as going to do it. A doer of those words. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice and Paula D. And thank you. This would be Paula D. Recovered by and with the grace of God. I'm very grateful for these few minutes. Uh, and more grateful for the life that I have today. It says here, and I, and I, as I, as I, I was listening over and over again uh, to people, what, what this, how this has changed their lives, the lives that they lived. It was a total turnaround. And it says here, he interrupted. Oh wow! And that was what I always did. Whether I read the book, whether people said, I interrupted always to say what I wanted to say, to do what I wanted to do. I wasn't yet, and yeah, you know, willing may not be the best, the action, but I got to tell you, I think it's a package deal. That's that's my feeling. That's what it was for me. But it says, I prayed to God on hangover mornings and swore, this is where I could come together. I'd never touch another drop. Isn't that always the way? I'd never take another bite. Never pick up another. You know, there's a story here in this book on a teenager, teenager's decision. You know, oh, I'm very far from a teenager. But then I wondered, at one point, was I, even though the years weren't there? But it says there, my sponsor used to say to me, and this, uh, this is the third edition, if I could only paint you a picture of how beautiful life can be without booze. I wanted so badly to see the picture of it as it was in her mind. But it can't be that way. You need to paint your own picture. Is it going to be Bob's nightmare? Is that the picture you're going to paint? Oh, look at what it says here. Look at the picture that's painted. Maybe you're right. Then maybe I'm wrong. I don't even know if it has to do with right and wrong. He heard something. God ought to be able to do anything. There it is. And may I come together in this fellowship? And here we have that when we do service, sponsoring, sponsor. Then he said he sure didn't do much for me when I was trying to fight this booze racket alone. I was always fighting the first step of surrender. And here we see it. They have the spiritual experience. They're the beginning. 
it always takes a beginning. But before there must be a beginning, there must be an ending. There had to be an ending of me. The me, 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 the two-year-old me. I want it now. It's mine. It's mine. And there was the giving up. And there was the receiving. Who would think it would work that way? So many paradoxes. So may you paint your beautiful picture. May you see the beautiful picture and live it. And with that, I thank you. And I thank you again for the time. And I pass. Thank you, Paula D. Anita J. Anita J. Star one. Anita, we can't hear you. How about Barbara E? Okay, I'll jump in until Anita gets with us. Hi, this is Barbara E. Barbara E. in New Jersey. Thank you all for everything that you said so eloquently before me. What jumped out for me was that first day, I don't know how long he'd been in the hospital. I'm sure our historian could tell me. But he was still fogged. He was unwilling. By the second day, he was a little more willing to conceive of the possibility. And by that third day, he saw the clarity in at least giving it a chance. When I first came into OA, and it was 21 years ago, I was desperate. I've said that before. I've done so many different plans, lost weight, and always regained it. But I was desperate, and I didn't think I had another diet left in me, so I stayed. But all those lovely sayings gagged me with a spoon. I thought they were so trite. All I wanted was to lose weight, get to a saying this body and stay that way. Whatever it was, just stay that way. Have a happy relationship with food. Not see it as my best friend. Not see it as my my worst enemy. Just as food. Enjoy it, of course, but just food. For me, what jumped out was I have to do the work and be willing to take the journey. So it's action first. Clarity for me of mind, getting abstinent, and then saying, hmm, well, there are other parts to this program. Should I embrace them? Why not? What did I have to lose? I don't want to be that starving donkey, not deciding which bale of hay to take, so just starving to death. God is or God isn't, but praying before I did the food, not after. After I ate the food, saying, God, why weren't you there for me? That doesn't work. At 11 p.m., when I'm trying to justify going down and having a little more fruit, because I didn't get enough fruit at dinner when I waited, that's when I say a prayer. 
I say my version of the third step prayer that I've rewritten in in 2017 Barbara Vernacular. And I pray and it works. I don't go down. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm happy and I say thank you, thank you, thank you. Another day, first person waking up is the person with the longest abstinence. And I can do it joyfully happily and I'm going to pass now. Thank you. Thanks, Barbara E. Right on time. Anita J., are you there? Well, lucky I took Judith's name. Judith, I didn't catch your last initial. Hi, Rebecca. It's Judith R. in Vermont. Oh, Judith R. Hi. Right ahead. Thank you. This is uh, Judith R. Gratefully Recovered in Vermont. I've prayed to God on hangover mornings. Well, about 10 years before I came into OA, I was an agnostic on a good day and an atheist on a bad day. But about five years before I came into OA, I had uh, one of those experiences similar to Bill's where I really connected with my higher power. I mean, my higher power connected with me and I fell in love because I realized how much loved I was. And at the time that I prayed to God on a hangover morning, um, I was part of a community of people who were, I had gone back to the religion, one of the religions of my childhood. And I was, I was binging in the kitchen and a woman friend from the community came in and I told her that I was in the middle of a binge and she said, would you like me to pray with you? And I said, oh, yes. So we prayed together. And when she left the kitchen, to my horror, I continued right on with the binge. And I've always felt sad about that and felt frustrated about it. But I realized that the food was stronger than the words of a prayer without action. And just this morning when I was thinking about this, I realized that that, in a few weeks after that day, the How OA movement came to Cincinnati, and I got into How and read the doctor's opinion. So that prayer was answered, just not in the way, not in stopping the binge right in that middle, but in getting me into long-term recovery. I, because of that, because of reading that doctor's opinion, I came to understand what I was doing much more thoroughly. Not as thoroughly as I understand now, thanks to going into the big book as, as deeply as we do now. But um, I'm so grateful that um, God can touch me even after that praying and not having the immediate result that I would have wanted. Thank you. I'll touch with that. Thank you, Judith R. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Thursday, October 12, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 10540. That's 10540. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Naomi B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you, Rebecca. My name is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass. And you and count, for you and countless others, this is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understood him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B., and thank you also to Larry Kay, who was our backup reader 